One day Jesus was teaching and healing and a crowd gathered around him as they often did. And in one moment Jesus stopped teaching and he looked out at the crowd and he began to call them one by one. You and you and you and you. And he counted off 72 of them he called them, gave them instructions, and then sent them out to preach his gospel. Imagine the surprise for these people. They came, they showed up just like everybody else to hear a message from the teacher, and all of a sudden they're sent out as messengers. They came to be healed, and they're sent out to heal and to proclaim the good news. And I think that's what's happening tonight. You all came here for a message. You came for a blessing from the Lord. And all of a sudden, he turns the tables and he sends you out. He's going to send you out tonight to be messengers of his good news. The gospel says that Jesus sent 72 others. So these are 72 in addition to the 12. The 12 he called to leave behind everything to follow him. They left behind their families, their homes, their work forever. But there's a broader circle of missionaries and of disciples. The 72, they don't have to leave their families, their homes. They go on a temporary mission, but it's a radical mission. And I think that you are those 72, that the Lord wants to send you as he sent them. So if he's sending you, you're going to want to pay close attention to the instructions that he gives tonight. He gives very detailed instructions. But before we get to the instructions themselves, there's a, there's a message in the number of people that he sends. In the book of Genesis, after the flood, it says that Noah, it, it recounts all of the, the tribes and all of the peoples that descend from Noah. And there are 72 of them. And for the Hebrew people, that represented all the peoples of the world. And so when they look around and they count and they realize that there's 72, they get it. They understand what Jesus is saying to them, that you're to go out to all people. The gospel is for all people. It starts right here in Jerusalem, in your backyard, in these towns, in these villages. But this message is for everyone. No one is excluded. So let's look at the instructions themselves. He begins, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Jesus is saying 72 is not enough. I think 72 is a lot. I mean, imagine having 72 people who are ready to go out barefoot and penniless to announce the gospel. You could make some noise. And Jesus is saying, but 72 is not enough. So pray for more because the harvest is so abundant. Is that the way you see the world? When you look out, do you see an abundant harvest? Or do you see slim pickings? Do you see a future for the church or a slow death? Jesus sees an abundant harvest. We might look out and see indifference to faith and to religion. But Jesus sees something else because he sees deeper. He sees people's hearts. 
He created each one and he knows that each one in the depth of their heart is longing for him because they were created for him. And so he looks out and he sees an abundant harvest. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Will it require sacrifice? Yes. Creativity? Love? Yes. But there's an abundant harvest out there. That's what Jesus sees and he wants to share that vision with us. Then he says, go on your way. Go. That's the most important word in the whole discourse. Go. We want to say, wait, wait, wait. Let's make a plan. Wait, slow down. Let's, let's think through this. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's wait. And he says, go. Because he knows that, yeah, it, it's tough to go. We, we experience a resistance because we're nervous. We don't want to put ourselves out there. And so he says, Go. Of course, there's a place for planning. Jesus himself clearly has a strategy. He chooses precisely 72. He sends them out in pairs to the villages and towns that he himself has planned to visit. He has a strategy. But sometimes we just have to go. We just have to, we just have to set out. When, there's, when the harvest is ready, there's not much time to collect it. Soon the birds come and they start to pick away at it or the fruit rots on the vine. So now we arrive at the most provocative instructions. Jesus says, carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals for your feet. Why? Why does he send them out empty-handed? Because he wants to keep them humble. He wants them to show up in each place with empty hands, feeling their own need. He wants them to have to humble themselves before the people they encounter to ask them for help. They need a place to stay. They need water. They need food. And so their attitude isn't one of superiority. They don't show up riding on a horse with trumpets blaring, ready to announce the good news from on high. Rather, they take a posture of humility, even of need. And from that place, they share the gospel. Not as teachers, but as ones who have encountered, who have received something. They don't show up as anyone's savior, but as ones who can say, I've met the savior. I have nothing, but I have a treasure, and I want to share it with you. And that's how he sends us out. What does it mean for us to apply this part of his teaching, this instruction? I don't think that he's establishing a dress code for missionaries. I, I think that he wants us to go out humbly, Maybe for you it means going out with a certain intellectual poverty, like not waiting until you have all your questions answered before you're willing to share the gospel with someone, before you're willing to share what you do know, your own testimony. So when he sends us out, what's the message that he sends us to preach? He tells his disciples when they arrive at a house, they should say, peace be to this household. The world needs peace, doesn't it? Do you know anyone that needs peace? Do you need peace? And then he continues with a strange saying. He says, if a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. 
It's a strange way to speak about peace, isn't it? Almost like a substance that goes out from one and rests on the other or returns to them if they refuse it. It's, not, it's more than just a, a wish or a greeting. I think that we can understand this if we pay attention to Jesus' resurrection appearances. Almost every time that he appears to the disciples, what does he say to them? Peace be with you. And Greek scholars will tell us that if you study the original Greek language, the most literal translation would be simply peace with you. Peace with you. It's not an expression of a wish. It's more like a statement of fact. Because Jesus, risen from the dead, is with them and he is their peace. And when we go out, when the disciples go out, we go out with his risen presence. We go out not only announcing a message of peace, but bearing with us the one who is their peace. When you receive Holy Communion tonight, you receive him and he remains in you. And so when you go out in his name, he goes with you. You have more than just a message to bring. You have the one who is our peace. Next, he gives another somewhat strange instruction. He says, stay in the same house. And by this, he seems to be inviting his disciples to trust in the providence of God. So maybe the first house that welcomes them isn't the most comfortable house. Or maybe they get to the town and, and they install themselves there, and then they realize there's some people of influence, and they could go and stay there, and that would open up new networks for them. So I think Jesus is saying, don't calculate so much. Trust that I'll send you where you need to go. Stay there, invest there. Of course, as we've already said, this is not opposed to thinking or evaluating or strategizing. But he wants us to open our eyes to recognize the providence of God orchestrating every detail of our lives. What, what seems random to his disciples, the first house that they happen to be invited to, is part of the design of God. It's part of the plan of God. So we should live with a sense of wonder. The place, the people that surround us every day aren't the people that just happen to be there. They're the people that God has placed in our lives. The people that cross your path are the people that, that God has sent to cross your path. Now, I don't recommend that you lean over to the person in the cubicle next to you and say, God put you here. This was a plan. I think, you know, nor on the bus or the subway. I think uh, that would be a bad idea for a lot of reasons, even if it's in some sense theologically true. But the point is this. We don't need to go looking for better mission territory. There's something wonderful about where we find ourselves right now. Next, and we're coming to the end of his instructions here, Jesus prepares us for divergent responses to the gospel. Some will accept the peace and some will reject it. Some will open themselves and some will refuse us. And this is the drama of human freedom. Each person when they hear the message of salvation, has the freedom to accept it or reject it, to choose life or to choose the path that leads to death. Human freedom is, is something mysterious. 
And Jesus says that when you go out in my name, you're going to encounter that, that freedom in all its drama. There are people who, because you represent me, will reject you. And when they reject you, they reject me. So I, I think that's an important thing to know. And, and his teaching on how to respond to this rejection is surprising. He says, whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. And I think that he says this because he knows that when we open our hearts and we share the gospel with someone else and they don't accept it, the first thing that we do is we turn against ourselves and we begin to feel guilty and ashamed. And Jesus says, no, shake the dust off your feet. You've got to keep going. Someone else is waiting for the gospel. You, we, we can't afford gloomy and timid missionaries because there's still work to do. So maybe you weren't perfect. Maybe you could have been more eloquent or you got impatient. But you put yourself out there and the Lord is proud of you whenever you do that. Jesus' advice sounds harsh, admittedly. But there's something worse than being harsh. And that is being indifferent. Pretending that our friends or the people around us don't need Christ. Or being too selfish to take a risk and put ourselves out there to share Him. So those are Jesus' missionary instructions. You know, what do we do with them? We could try to apply them all literally. We could organize a, a parish mission. We could choose 72 of you. I think there's only about 80 here tonight, so most of you are going to be on the dock. I see eight kind of sneaking out of the back right now. We could organize a parish mission. But I think what's clear is that we are being sent to share the good news in some way or another. John Paul II said in his encyclical Redemptoris Missio, I sense that the moment has come to commit all of the church's energies to a new evangelization. No believer in Christ, no institution of the church can avoid this supreme duty to proclaim Christ to all peoples. So how you apply these specific instructions is up to you. Tonight there's only one instruction that I want to encourage you to apply literally to your life. And that is to find a partner, a co-conspirator. Jesus sent them out in pairs, two by two. So find someone, conspire together, make a plan, and then go.